My name is Piers Bayliss. I'm here with the head of strategy at one of the last few independent insurance brokers in Scotland. They've just purchased a new office in Kelso on Bridge Street. Richard Mackey of Edinburgh Risk Management General. How are you doing? Very well, thank you very well, Piers. Thank you for having me. My pleasure, my pleasure. Uh, so you're the head of strategy, but can you tell me a bit about your current role and what it involves? Yes, yeah, certainly. The head of, head of strategy, as the, the name suggests, is very much about the strategic direction of the organisation. So with my role with the RMG, it's very much looking at our IT strategy, our asset management strategy, particularly making sure that our policies, procedures, the infrastructure of a modern business is fit for purpose, mm -hmm. but also looking at what does the future of the organisation look like? What's the strategic direction of a modern insurance brokers? But also, in going forward, what does insurance and risk management in the borders look like? And that's what I really would like to chat to you here today about. Certainly. So it's not just, it's not just for other businesses that you're looking at strategy, it's also internally for your business oh, itself Oh, absolutely, as well. yes. Very much so. So I support a number of clients across the UK and a bit of Europe, uh, very much working with the boards of organisations, looking at the strategy, what are the risks associated to that strategy, but also very much about the positive side of risk. So instead of the risk of something going wrong, it's what needs to be in place for this to go right. Do you find yourself assessing others' strategies or are you expected to come in with your own it's very much looking at the, the organisation already having a strategy there and working with the executive team or the board mm -hmm. to look at what the risks associated to that strategy may be. So do they have the capability capacity in-house to deliver those objectives? Is it financial? Is it particularly relevant at the current point we are in of political change to the lights <laughs> yes. of, do you mention the B word? It could be general elections, it could be new political parties, new policy direction. Working specifically, as I do at the moment, with a number of charities mm -hmm. and public sector organisations like social housing, policy change, that is critical. Where is the funding coming from? If we have changes within government or changes within local funding, how is that go going to affect them going, you know, going forward? Yeah. And one of the main challenges a lot of organisations are facing, and I think even here in the borders, is about having that capability and capacity. That where are we going to get those those skills from? Yes, but also to be able to react to those um, risks once you've... It's not just identifying them, which you would do. Yes. It's also how do you address them? And so you're a busy man, I gather. <laughs> what other yes. roles are you involved in apart from your, your roles head of strategy? So... Um, I also consult with RSM, the global accountancy firm. I used to be an associate director with them. Mm -hmm. So again, I cover a number of their key clients specialising in within risk management and more moving towards what we call board assurance, which is the next evolution of risk management. Well, tell me a little bit about that. So board, board assurance, it's really stemming from where a number of organisations have been blindsided by risk. So that in the past, you'd have your risk registers. You might colour them red, yellow and green and rank them in order. These are our top 10 risks. But one of the things that people are beginning to realise now is that how does a board member know mm -hmm. that they're not being lied to? Because ultimately, the things that people are writing in that risk register that say, we do this, we do that. Well, where do I get the assurance from that actually, in practice, that particular thing is appropriate and effective? So the board mm -hmm. assurance framework is the next evolution of risk management. We start to then rate our risks based on the level of assurance we have that those risks are being managed effectively. And how, do, or how are you managing or how do you propose to your, your clients or the businesses you assist uh, to keep that strategy going forward? How do you... Quite simply, that it's, 
you ask them the questions, if this began to fall apart, how would you know? And that really is where the board assurance framework comes into play. You have your first, second and third line assurances. By whom at the front line is doing that particular thing? If they didn't do it, where mm-hmm. would it get picked up? Third line, do you ever have someone external ever come in and check that the thing you're doing is the right thing to be doing? So it might be an IT specialist, it could be a marketing specialist, it might be an auditor, it might be an accountancy firm. Depending upon the, the relevant the control needs, yeah. and the needs, absolutely. Do we have that third line element? And that's partly where I come in with the RMG and with RSM, is providing that third line input, that external scrutiny to say, well, actually, mm-hmm. is your strategy in regards to risk management or opportunity appropriate and effective? I think a second opinion is invaluable. Mm. Um, and it sounds like we've moved beyond the, the old canary in the coal mine, which I guess must have been the original risk very, management. <laughs> very much so, very much so. But it, as you mentioned about other, other things that I'm doing, I'm just about to start with Life Care Edinburgh to a charity up. Right. up there as a board member, but also a former chair of the Institute of Risk Management here in Scotland. I've stepped down from that beginning of this year to take on a, another role with them as a subcommittee <laughs> member right. for the, the international regional group. So with that, every month or two, we meet to look at the various strategies and plans for the regional groups across the, the globe for the Institute. So is that you adjusting your role within that organisation to sort of better help them in the position that you are currently? Yes, there it's... I have two two ways of thinking that as a former chair of regional group myself mm-hmm. with the Scottish region, is then be able to provide that skill and input now at a board level, a subcommittee level with institutes where we're then looking and reviewing the plans of other regional groups across the globe. We also determine what should be appropriate budgets, but also if we don't have regional groups in that particular area, mm-hmm. what needs to be in place in order to help facilitate the starting of that group what skills or resources could we as a committee, a subcommittee, provide that would help grow that, but also grow the Institute as an organisation? Do you find the skill set required for each of your roles lends itself to each other? Or do you find yourself having to take yourself, your head out of one role and change to another? Yeah. The, there are different spaces that with the RMG that I'm head of strategy they're looking very much internally at our own strategies I support a number of the RMG clients looking at, at their approach to risk with RSM is very much as the external advisor and supporting their clients right with my role as the board member will be with life care and subcommittee with the the IRM is then being internal at the board level so it's almost three Three, so different you've got three different hats on your cohort because you leave work um, in the morning. I'm <laughs> trying to remember which one's which and keep myself on the, the right track is probably my main challenge. What do you find helps with that or what have you found? The, I think certainly from my experience in the, the beginnings is just quietly watching what's happening, learning from yeah, others. Take it in. Um, don't come in hammer and tong with your own set agenda and ideas. Just take time to absorb what's going on take time to to work out what your skills are because often as a committee member or as a board member even as chair that you bring a certain skill to the table of which mm-hmm. others don't have and they may be looking to you for your input in that specific area but also you're able to provide a check and challenge to others as I think it's, yes. it's very good to be brave and dare to disagree because if someone disagrees with me and yeah. I have to prove to you why I think I'm right. Yeah, and you have to a... justify your yeah. position. And I have read, um, I'm sure it's circulated all the magazines that I always read, that the boards that disagree the most tend to come forward as the more successful because people aren't afraid to say, even to the head honcho, 
that's a bad idea and here's why. Yeah. As long as you can follow it up with here's why. Yes. You can't just sit back and... To just be a, a <laughs> troublemaker. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> if you're able to provide rationale as to why you think you're right or wrong, then that creates healthy debate. If you just have yeah. a group of people that just agree with each other mm -hmm. or are not confident enough to challenge, more often than not, our strategy, our direction, or even our projects could go wrong because no one had the courage to speak up. They could see the cracks appearing, but no yes. one had the courage to challenge. And that's where, as a board member, as a committee member, you have to have that courage. Mm -hmm. And that's being of a younger generation, that's, that's one of, I think, my main challenges is thinking, okay, I'm still in my mid-30s or so. Mm -hmm. The people that I'm dealing with are late 50s, early 60s, have been in an industry many, many years more than I am. Yes. What I can do is perhaps try to a different... Yeah, look view. at what they're bringing, mm. but don't ignore what you can bring. Absolutely. And when it's appropriate, it'll strike yeah, while yes. iron's hot. Um, I'd like to, to turn that knowledge and that um, work you're putting in and look with a, a view to the borders and what you see as the, the sort of greatest risks facing the businesses in the borders. And so we don't date this interview too much. Um, you can refer to the B words. A few times. Mm. <laughs> well, see, the interesting thing is I wouldn't regard Brexit as a risk of where people would say, what on earth do you mean? You're a risk person. You say Could Brexit is an opportunity, isn't... yes, I see, yeah. No, no, I wouldn't go, go that far. What, what it is is it's an issue. So when you come to, to risk an opportunity, mm -hmm. the two things that tie them together is the likelihood of that thing happening. Whereas the Brexit right now is out of our control. I cannot control the likelihood of it, neither can yourself. So it's very much about that being an issue for us so it's an issue mm -hmm. in the external environment it's in what does that issue create in terms of being the cause of other risks so one of the things I would see is about the, the intellectual flight so of those from the European Union who currently work in the borders perhaps being anxious about their future mm -hmm. them leaving the region and it brings me back to what I'd see is one of the greatest risks within the area, regardless of the Brexit, is this intellectual flight. So that younger generation that go to university, go mm -hmm. travel the world, do they come back to the borders? That are we concerned of going forward, will we have the skills to remain to be dynamic? So as a business, how do we attract people to the borders? I think that's one of the great things we have, not only is the fantastic scenery, the great sense of community you've got, but if you appeal to people's financials, the mm -hmm. property prices in the borders are far more attractive than they are in the big cities. But yet, we do and begin to get the transport infrastructure. So yes, we've got we've had the railway in the last few years, but the transport infrastructure I would see is the next greatest risk or opportunity for this region is getting the transport infrastructure right, whether it is the railways, the road networks, that will support business, that will support people in going, okay, actually, the borders isn't as isolated as I think. So you've, you've taken the, the word risk, I think, and correct me if I'm wrong, and you said the risk is to not do anything. Absolutely. To not take an opportunity. Mm. I, I think certainly um, younger people, um, a lot of my course uh, classmates have gone off and they have not no plans to return to the area. And yep. I can see why. The, the opportunities are not as prevalent as they are in London, Edinburgh, etc. So yeah, perhaps one of the greatest risks is not doing enough to bring people back. Yeah. That is promoting that, that sense of community that you have here, but also that people don't feel that they're economically isolated. They just because we're in the borders region doesn't stop you know, tomorrow I'm off to go work in London. 
the, the following week thereafter I've been going off to, to Europe. The, we are just you know, an hour away from an airport, 40 minutes from a train station, that kind of thing. Yes. If you live in London, as I used to do, it took me 40 minutes to travel on the tube, equivalent of four or five miles. Just because it's further in distance doesn't mean necessarily it's further in time. No, I think it's no longer, if anyone ever did use it as an excuse to say, well, I live here, um, the opportunities aren't here. The the world has become a lot more globally focused and mm. the, the big one being the internet. You can get on where yeah. you are and, and why not get on where you are in a really nice area. Yeah. Um, so for people... That leads us on nicely to this next question. Uh, for people that are looking to start up a business in this area, in the modern world, not being restricted to the locality, they can they can um, have clients all over the world, as, as you, you do yourself. Mm. What sort of advice would you give them, sort of specific to this area? It's, a, it's an interesting one. The whenever starting out any any business, you also got to think about well, whom whom is our customer base? Is it if it is something local, one of the challenges we have in the borders region is, of course, numbers. So by that, mm-hmm. I mean you know, population. Yeah. If you were starting a business in the southeast of England or London, you have several million people on the doorstep. We don't necessarily have that in the borders region. So that size and scale and expansion might not be that immediate so thousands through the door. Tailor your product or service to match that reality. Yes. Be realistic with your growth figures. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of the, the opportunities you certainly have here in the borders is the support that's available. Um, and one of the things I was mentioned to you before we started the, the mm-hmm. podcast is that we as a business are looking to see what we can do to help support young entrepreneurs here within the region or not just yes. necessarily age-restricted. You've got your um, you've got the new office in Kelso, yes. which is on Bridge Street. Yeah, so it's part of our thinking there. Uh, the office is substantially larger than what we need as a business and deliberately so is that having spoken to to people starting out in the region is that they would like to run seminars or have you know, group sessions etc for meetings but don't have the capital necessarily to book a hotel room or the confidence necessarily to book mm-hmm. a function venue if they're not too sure about numbers or you know, going down the route of signing up to lease or purchase of an office building without a guarantee of where will our business be in six, 12 months' time. Whereas, so what we plan to do, yeah. or thinking of doing, is creating what we call a business hub. There'll be four or five extra desks potentially there within the office, of which people could rent for a nominal fee, but also we'll yeah. have seminar spaces there, also digital meeting rooms. So if you're doing the, the online webinars, meetings with potential clients, you don't have the background off your parents' kitchen or so it's something that looks professional and people would then have confidence in you as an individual and buying to you as a business. And that our, our rationale for that is that not only supporting young mm-hmm. business or not necessarily age-restricted business, but any business starting up, they're our clients of the future. And that people will remember us, that we are the ones that help support that and help boost the economy. Yes, uh, mm. I think a great idea because taking on a lease, taking on premises is a big, big step. Um, and everyone I've spoken to in these podcasts, and I'm sure going forward, they always say, you know, take your risks, but proceed cautiously. That seems to be the the, the, the constant advice I'm mm. getting. And um, that would be a great way of uh, sort of testing out your idea from yeah. a perspective where if it's not working out the way you want it, you've got space to adjust, you're not out yes. of capital See, and back at your mum and dad's house. Absolutely, because I think that it, what probably would have been the a, a good bit of advice for anyone who is starting out in business 
is, as you say, the capital, the cash flow side mm-hmm. of things. The, there'll be many opportunities for people to perhaps offer you money to do X, Y, and Z. But starting out within that debt above your head, yes. just be wary of that. That one of the things that always trips up any new startup is that if the environment changes, so whether we mention the, the Brexit word, the political environment changes, the local economy changes, your existing customer base, is there a large employer in the region? And if that large employer goes, does that affect your customer base? And if yes. you're up to your eyeballs in debt, do you have the capital to weather that storm? So that external shock. Yeah, that external change. And I, I say this to to my clients where we talk about you know, Brexit and the changes that Brexit will happen, and people say, oh, Brexit's such a big risk. I say, well, actually, if you take a step back, it's, Brexit isn't the risk here. It, the risk is about to you as an organisation, or even talk about opportunity, is your ability to adapt to the changing environment around you. And you have to think for all the reasons as to why mm-hmm. you, are com- as a company or as an individual, are not able to adapt to that changing environment and make sure that you have the things in place that you can adapt to changes in technology, changes in local economy, changes in infrastructure. So I think the planning, no doubt, is crucial. Mm. Um, I've, I've heard the advice that... It, if you can make it work on a small scale, you can make it work on a large scale, but don't do it the other way around. Yes, yeah, very much so, yes. Um, Walk we'll, before you run. We'll finish up here. Um, if you could add one thing to the, to the Scottish Boards to help grow your business or help improve the roles that you're currently partic- participating in, uh, what do you think that would be? Um, in terms of... To provide space for, for people starting up in the area. Yeah, the... I think it's, it's providing that support and insight in that having lived here now for many years is that there are a number of people who have different skills and that they're out there, but being able to find them and come together, that's why I think that it, in helping out the Young Borders business groups we did and working with you guys a year to go with it, being able to, to find others who have the skills and share that knowledge with you. So a strong network Absolutely. in the area. Yes. would be something you think yeah I, I, very I'm, much so I am with you there being part of the Scottish Borders Young Professionals I'm yes. absolutely with you there and yeah. we'll, we'll finish off with um, asking what the future holds for yourself um, interesting that I think I always keep options options open um, that with with the RMG very keen to to grow and expand that business as I had mentioned before it's it's very much looking at what does a modern insurance organisation look like, that particularly on the, the risk management side of things, I think that's a very a growth market for us. Yeah. Um, that I have my colleague Graham on board now, which training him up to to be effectively the, the takeover of me on the risk management side, where I focus more on the strategic. We're looking at potentially expanding into other regions as well. Um, but also grow the the staff that we have and give them the skills to develop and as we grow and expand the business look to to bring new talent on board right okay Mm. very good well we'll leave it there Richard thank you very much thank you very much for your time